Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. And we are live on Oz Property Investors. We're bringing a big name. Sorry, I should have warned you. We have the big fight. How you going, Brendan? What's, what's happening? I'm really well. You? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've got some sort of eye infection thing going. So I promise I'm, oh, I'm not, so, not doing funny. You told yeah. me you got into a fight in a bar brawl. Um, and that's what happened. I don't go out these days, Joe. I mean, I, I can't. I, where, where would I possibly go into a bar to do that? But no, I said, look at the other. Well. You should have seen the other guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The other, the other sort of bar chair. But yeah, Joe, how are you going? How's how's uh, the location that you've gone to? Are you telling us or you're not telling us? No, I'm not telling you. I'm, I've gone up to Brisbane. the the uh, the data The data in Brisbane is looking pretty interesting. There are some pockets around uh, Brisbane and surrounds that have what I see as a bit of potential. But um, you just follow the data. You build a bit of a hypothesis. This is what everyone should be doing. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll actually. I might ask you the question. This is. Brendan, um, like oh, yeah. I like You're to build, I like attractive. to find an area, build a hypothesis around that area, but before I start going headfirst and investing, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in that area, I want to go to that place. I'm going to buy for a million dollars in that area. Well, no, but I mean, I'm going to be buying multiple properties in these regions, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to be spending millions of dollars. Like you want to get your boots, we call it boots on the ground, right? You want to go there and see where are the areas of the hot spots, where are the areas of the not spots. I mean, what are your kind of, is that, am I wasting my time? Is that 100% worthwhile? What are your thoughts on boots on the ground? Never buy sight unseen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I think he's answered the question. Never buy sight unseen. Why you you introduce way too much risk into the equation. You don't know what the neighbouring houses are like around the photos that you see on the ads, and you don't necessarily know what uh, uh, what's it. Sorry, the real estate agent doesn't know what's important to you in the area, so doesn't know to raise the alarms of stuff on your behalf when you make inquiries with them. Never very, buy sight unseen. Cool. So there's consequences. Yeah. Oh, it's sorry, a consequence. Sorry. Yeah, you, you you want to get on the ground. Mm, love it. There yeah, and, and also don't trust the agent's video. I see it all the time. People are like, oh, the agent did a video. This is a problem, and this is a real estate agent recording that problem and <laughs> recording the entire everything else. You need an independent person to say, hey, Joe, here is a problem. This is all of the problem. Also, here is the good stuff because do yeah, not and, trust. And it's not to say that we don't we don't respect real estate, Joe. I think I think it's important that we kind of – it's just like obviously why, why, why should they point that out to you? Like if you're not willing to get somebody to who works for you, then I think oh, you kind of need to caveat empty. You need to do your own research. Do your own due diligence. Yeah. That's what you've got to but do. No, it's anyway, that's not what this session is about. This well, session no, is see, a now you started a topic which is really dear to my heart. So I'm, I'm happy to digress if you so wish. Um, <laughs> I'd be intrigued. You'll have, you and I will have to get together after this and talk about how do you go about actually picking the hot spots versus the not spots? Because um, oh, I have a system of my own which is probably entirely different to yours. And I think a comparison mm. of the notes might serve. Oh well, okay. let's let's unpack that. Let's do let's do that live. I feel like if we're going to give some value tonight, we should be given some value tonight. Um, that would be interesting to to unpack because I think it's good to have a it's good to have a system and a process to to follow left, right, and center on these things. 
Um, but anyway, we've got to introduce who this man is. Oh, no, actually, we have a good call. They don't know me. <laughs> who the hell is this guy? <laughs> this is actually the uh, the postman. Um, he, he knows a lot yeah, about yeah, Richard. No, 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 no. The, the, and the milk. Oh, <laughs> and the we'll milk. You, no one trusts a milkman and a postman in one. Um, okay, what are we doing here, Jeff? We're going off the rails. Uh, so, so tonight, <laughs> we are going to be talking about, first off, because I think it's, this is the sort of thing that not a lot of people... A lot of people talk about property sort of goals and everybody sort of says, oh, I have a goal and I have a goal, but they don't necessarily. So Brendan's been doing this for close to 20 or Brendan and his team and he, or colleagues. I don't The team sort of sounds like they work for you. You kind of all work together. So Brendan and his colleagues have been doing this for sort of around 20 years now or close to 20 years. And, and I think that's sort of you learn a thing or two and doing it for sort of helping out thousands of people. So I think you can sort of dispel a lot of the myths and in your, not innuendo, but the sort of all that sort of stuff and get sort of the wheat, wheat from the, 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 the wheat from the chaff. Um, but then we're going to go into strategy as well. So strategy will talk to so things like positive cash flow. Um, I think you've talked a little bit about, about renovation. You sent some notes for us. And then we're going to look at dive really deep into area research because and that sounds like a heap. So I think we, we need to get cracking. So, but if, if people are excited oh, for that, and three hours aside, because <laughs> I'll go and I'll go and put the six pack in the fridge or freezer. But no, I won't. Really. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll, I'll start making less sense than what I am now. Sort of. So, but if you're excited for that, hit throw a hell hell yes in the comments. I don't know. I just want to do something different. So, but drop your questions. If something interesting, if, if something pikes your interest along the way, drop a question about it. And we'll probably get to it at some stage throughout the, the live session. So without further ado, yeah. though, let's get to quotes of the week. You want to go first, Brendan? Sure. Um, I am looking for the quote that I wrote down for you guys. Yeah. You can't save your way to wealth. Wealth creation is literally wealth creation. So if you're coming from the perspective of um, make sure that I don't spend much money, make sure that I, you know, I just do it and keep my budgets really tight and I don't spend too much uh, and I uh, just everything is a conservative. I need to save, need to save, need to save. You'll never achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. Wealth creation is literally wealth creation. If you don't go out about doing things perhaps a little more boldly, introduce and understand risk and manage yourself through those parameters of risk to a, uh, a decision with confidence, then you're stuck with more of the same. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. It's a great way to put it. It is exactly wealth creation. Um, I see so many people. I was literally at the airport today looking, oh, I want to buy a book. Um, I want to have something to read on the plane. And um, there was a book about the fire movement. And I love the fire movement. I think it really helped kick me off into my investing journey, the money mustache guy where he's like, save, 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 save. Great. He got divorced, Joe. I think I think he's I think his dream kind of turned to a bit of a nightmare. It's so got nothing to do with money. No, <laughs> I don't know, why might do it? I don't know. Is most, he actually happy though? Like maybe money. he got, maybe he's too frugal. He was too maybe frugal. Too so frugal. his wife. But, but the, it's exactly that. You, you you get to a point where you can't save to you can't save to to zero, and then you're so focused. Oh no! I'm going to spend the next five hours reading this book that's about saving money instead of reading this book that's about making money and growing, growing wealth. It just doesn't make sense. The numbers just don't stack up. But do definitely be both? frugal to get that, get that nest egg and get that nut, and then get creative with with creating that. Um, but what's so your quote of the week? Concept, oh yeah. Sorry, as a concept, if I could just want just a little bit more, please, because I just like to talk. Um, uh, if you run a business. And again, you, you know, you would have heard uh, Joe Inc. 
or Jeff Inc. You, you, you perceive yourself as a business, yeah? Mm. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you're running a business, business is all about revenue generation and expenditure, and you keep the bit afterwards, yeah? You bring yeah. the money in, spend the money to bring the money in, and the bit that you get at the bottom is yours to keep. Bam, that, that's just business model 101. Right. There are two components. You've got to go out and expand to bring the money in. You do need to concentrate on saving and budgetary control the, on your spend to make sure that the bit you keep is the most amount possible. But if you're not out there going out and creating it, you're never going to get what you need at the bottom to keep and live the life you want. Well said. It comes up, anyway. it comes up here. It's easier to make 10 grand than it is to save 10 grand. That is the dot point to your, uh, to your sentence yeah, just brilliant. there, which is perfect. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. I love it. Um, Jeff, what is yours, mate? You can't, good luck topping that one. Uh, I've got a pretty good one. He's a, he's a pretty, pretty, oh, old, pretty old guy. Sun Tzu, he said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So it kind of talks to if you just take action without sort of thinking about what you're doing, like I think you, you've already sort of, you may lose the battle. Like taking action is important, but I think it, as long as you sort of have that strategy as to where you're going to, going to go, I think that's probably the more critical component. But then the problem is people can get, get caught in sort of thinking about and reading all those books and not actually. Oh, he's lost him. Oh, you lost me or him? Oh, okay. No, I thought it was me. Jeff. I'm like, oh shit, I've, 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 I've gone. Uh, Joe, you're good. I'm the one with yeah. the dodgy internet. But yes, very well said, Jeff. Thank you, mate. I, uh, I agree. No strategy. If you don't know where you're going, you'll always get there, which is uh, nowhere. Um, I think a strategy. I, I get. I think too many people get too that just go headfirst into stuff. And these are the people that you. Uh, you see that have bought a house and land package and off the plan apartment. They've got a great renovation project. They've got a great development site and none of them are connected and stitched together in a way that is actually going to serve them. It's just, Oh, I want this. I want that. I want this. Um, my quote of the week is there's always room for improvement. Um, I love that. Um, I love that as a little saying, I, I don't really need to quote someone for that because I feel like a lot of people would say that, but it, it's for a deal as well. Whenever there's a property deal, there's, if there is, Always buy a property that has room for improvement, be that a renovation, subdivision, granny flat opportunity, development opportunity. Try and get something that not just serves you today, but also serves you tomorrow. Um, I'm already feeling the fire in this uh, in this episode, so I'm excited to introduce who Brendan is um, and dive deep into strategy. The reason why I wanted to get you on, Brendan, is because it's been 20 years. Now, you've been doing this over booms, busts, GFCs, and you have seen what happens to people that get too excited. Like we're in, we're in a bit of an interesting situation where we've got high interest rates. You've been through this. You've, you, this is, this is not new to you. And you've built strategies and helped people through all of these situations. And it's easy just to say, well, I think this. Well, you've never been through it, but Brendan, you have been through it. So that's why I'm excited to get you on. Before we do that, we're just going to jump into our ad, and then we are all going to explore who this man is and why I'm so pumped and why Jeff has got a smile on his face. <laughs> oh, that's not face. There's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared, especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent. It's a scary thought. 
but it is a skill that can be taught. Do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there, buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up? Scott Agate, the founder and expert property negotiator at Hello House, has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. You're back. I'm just posting links. Sorry, people. But, oh, wait, where's, where's Joe? He's oh, just mixing it around. So here we go. So we've got, uh, I'll introduce, you even added a few more points to my intro, but I, I, I want to say all of it. So I'm sorry, I'll try and pick out the, but who is Brendan Kelly? So you're a public speaker and we found out you're a former school teacher. I think you hope you're okay with us mentioning yep. that. I started out um, math, science, computer science, learned, uh, yeah. did, the, the, did the degree at Melbourne Uni. Yeah, had a ball. Tell you what, science at, at high school, I, I feel like I would have, I would enjoy if I did see you know, I won't get into my science story. <laughs> anyway, um, you've, uh, you're, you're, the, you're a director, you're a professional investment director at Results Mentoring, and you, you're on sort of UPI, SPI, all those sort of other good places, but now you're on all those property investors. So um, 20 years of investing in property, and, and you also look at strategies. Well, that was Renault. 20 years of investing in property when... Uh... After, soon after I'd started results. It's actually now about 35. Jeez. Um, well, you got to update 30, your website there. 30 odd years. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. The idea um, or two. You, you, know, you talk about cycles and, and, and market conditions, absolutely. Continue. Wow. Soon. It's crazy. So, you started off. I, I'm, I was born in 89. So, you, so you've been investing. We don't want to age the, we don't want to, we don't want to age them, uh, you know, Brendan no. here. We're not, we're not throwing, yeah. we're not throwing that out. As He's a done. kid, I was in the car and my old man was telling me about interest rates at being 18%. So yeah, I lived yeah. through the times. Yeah. yeah. As you yeah. heard, he was in the cart. The horses were ca- taking the cart along the road and. Uh... <laughs> 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 sorry. Sorry. Okay. Well, what I find interesting about your story, uh, well, about your, because what I want to mention is like, we don't like to talk about the business. This is not about your, your business results mentoring, and it's not a promotion. It's nothing like that. But I just want to give people context that you guys have a platform where rather than just having a course where you watch it, you do it yourself. It's more of a, a 12 month mentoring to get people to a point where that they can take their own financial future into their own hands to go find, negotiate, secure and make a bit a property business in a way so that they can have that financial freedom. And that's what I'm interested in because what that means is you have a lot of tips, tricks, strategies, and you have also seen it all. So while some person's brand new, fresh 
we're in this group. We have a lot of new people that are into investing, but we also have a lot of people that have five plus properties and they're a bit stuck and they're like, where do I go? So I thought this is a prime opportunity for you to mm. help us unlock some of those challenges that you see with people with one property, with three properties, with five properties that what do I do now that the banks have tapped me out? Um, so uh, yeah, high level, that's what I'm interested in. Um, but Take us, take us back. How did this all begin? Give us a run through of your your first investment property experience. Um, one of the things I did was a uh, uh, so no experience, naive, young upstart, um, uh, girlfriend at the time, um, engaged to be married. Where do we start? What do we do? I like property. Played a little with the shares and said, yeah, no, nah, too fast, too much too volatile. Don't want to play that game. Like houses roof overhead, um, and I like the fact that you can control property. There's a certain control you can have with property that you can't with shares. You're just investing in a company, they control everything. But with yeah. a property, you can go, you know what, I can do stuff with it. And I've always considered uh, uh, a, a fascination and a joy with tools. I'm like, great, Renault. So I bought myself a milk bar. Uh, my first property was a milk bar. and we a commercial yeah, it converted into a domestic residence. It was um, 90 square metres of land. I mean, you talk about tiny. 90 square metres of land. Uh, four and a half metres by about 22 metres deep. And that was it. Corner block. Um, it, it, but it felt like the TARDIS. You, know, you, you walked in the front door and all it was just boundary to boundary house other than a small backyard. So it was just massive when you walked in. You thought four and a half by, what, seven, eight metre uh, lander and we're going oh this feels great but from the outside you go what a pokey little box this is anyway um took that place uh converted <laughs> early days naive silly we bought 15 kilos of polyfiller and filled cracks in the walls rather than do anything more dramatic like take the plaster off and replaster it we did it all by hand and it took us ages to do but my plastering skills improved anyway um <laughs> It, that was our first. We bought it at 120, uh, sold it a few years later for 420. Um, uh, it'll say this was a decade or two ago uh, in a, a suburb of Richmond, uh, which is not oh. too far from CBD. And again, you think about it 90 square meters of land in Richmond, 120 is probably going to be about right. But yeah, sold it at 420. Why there and what did we do and what was the purpose? It was a mixed-use commercial residential site. We converted it and rezoned it to residential. Uh, we gave it a uh, an aesthetic period feature look like a traditional milk bar, traditional shop with Victorian front. Um, and the purchase was centred on Richmond because of the investigation I did in the, in the area around. So mm. around Richmond, there's about half a dozen suburbs. And I looked at the, and this was part of the early day analysis of data, uh, I looked at the median price growth in all the suburbs around Richmond and every one of them had gone up except Richmond. Mm -hmm. So there was a funnel effect happening. If yeah. everything around the outside of the suburb I'm interested in is good, has gone up or is going up, by default, Richmond can only go one way. <laughs> um, and it did, and it went up, and it was that was the model. And that gave us about, I mean, ignoring costs, that gave us 300000 as a bit different, a buying difference, uh, and that allowed us to go again and buy our first home. So uh, our second home and um, uh, and then start getting into investing and started to play from there. 
What, what were your thoughts though? Because I, I want to, I want to unpack. Because I mean, those who anybody who knows Richmond, like I'm not, I'm, I've only been there two or three times myself, but it's still these days a little bit rough. I mean, not not super rough, but if you're going sort of, you're going to the sort of past the tattoo parlor, and I'm just, I've walked past the pub or two. I, I didn't go into, but it just, it, like, it gets a feel like Dusty Martin pays for the Richmond Tigers. So I just, I that's when I, when I think of Richmond, I think Dusty Martin. I'm just like. And, I'm just glad he's not coming to Sydney because I mean I don't know. Hope he doesn't watch us because he's probably going to get me. In trouble. But anyway, so what, what what did you sort of think about the the gentrification? We didn't mind the branch. There, again, you you study the map. You look at the, you look at the area. You do your aerial view. You find that there are pockets of houses amongst industrial pockets as well. Um, and you just yeah. go and play in the industrial house. Uh, sorry, in the in the pockets of houses. Um, they're quaint little things. Um, eclectic. Uh, you know, you talk about grunge today. Allow me to assure you, it was grunge back then. It was oh, almost yeah. pre-transition. Um, yet cafe society had not walked in yet. Uh, Swan Street still had uh, Dimmies, which is your massive two-dollar shop. Um, so it, it was, it was, it was a lot more basic than it is now, and uh, it was worth the punt. Mm. By default, if everything around has gone up, Richmond's got to go, and it did. Um, there's a good question that's come up here. Were you self-funded or did you raise capital for the for the project that you worked? So the renovation project that you ran on that one? Yeah, sure. So it was um, on the premise that it was a $120,000 purchase price. Uh, we were self-funded. My wife and I had $8,000. <laughs> what was the deposit, bucks. right? <laughs> yeah, we had 8000 $8, bucks. We did a 90% land and paid stamp duty and we were able to scrap our way into it. And then we just got jackhammers and chisels and, we had to actually um, punch holes in the concrete floor because the concrete floor in the shop had a mound on it where the counter used to be as a stabilising mm. factor for the counter itself. Uh, it was, yeah, it's just, it was chaos. It was wild. <laughs> well, maybe this is a good point because you were talking about like areas um, and, and data. Maybe this is a good point to chat to your thoughts on, on hotspots and not spots for for an area, how do you think about that? Because it sounds like this area may have been a bit of a not spot, but still worked as a deal. Like, how do you do it? What does it look like? See, I, I to give me perspective, I'd need to know how you do it to a certain extent. You have a twenty-five <laughs> words or less approach to that. What's Other that? Than that I, I can I can just go from the top of my head, but it's a big conversation. So, all right, let me let me have a play and see how we go. How do you think about um, hotspots versus not spots show? Like, what, what what do you? How do you think about them? Well, yeah, it's see, kind of. Okay. You got to recognise yeah. I've been mentoring for twenty years. Yeah, so so I never ask or never answer a question in isolation without parameters. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, if you say, "Oh, what's a good spot for me to go?" and I say, "Well, what do you want it for?" Yeah. What do you want it for? Is it a buy and hold or is it an add value? Is if it's an add value sell then that's a very different strategic approach, a very different thinking than if it's a buy and hold, never sell. Now, if it's a buy and hold, never sell, you therefore want a lot of growth. You might, you might be interested in a reasonable yield out of it. Or if you've got a good income and you need to ask that question, then then a negative year is okay. Then you go for a lower uh, rental income in favour of longer-term growth broadly. And you then make decisions about hotspot from infrastructure spend, uh, money being sent by, spent by council in the area, convenience factors to the city and transport, 
uh, can mean access to schools, the reputations of the schools, the, the, the quality of the coffee in the local, uh, local shops, the quality of the, the, the shops in the street. You know, you're, you're making decisions on that. If you said, I want a Renault project, when you're in and out in six months, you want the crappiest, horrible place, most horrible place that's still standing, that's not bug written, um, and then you go in and you you, you add a, uh, add value to it to make it look something remotely close to a nice version of its neighbours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the parameters of hot versus not incredibly different. Yeah, yeah. And it's very individual point. specific. Great. Such a great point. Um, some of the things that I like to look at as well is is exactly that. Who who is buying it? What are they buying it for? And what is the reason? Like if you're going to be doing a development site, that's going to be cutting up land, you know, one into three, you know, a site um, that's going to be first home buyers because the land's going to get those too small. The, the, so oh, where are the first the time buying it? Yeah. Cause you got to think of the, the end user. What are they going to look like? Um, and do they want to live in this old pocket of the middle of nowhere? Or do they want to live near the action of the little, you know, the little suburb city center? Um, because yes, you may be able to subdivide and split off the land three times in this area, but maybe it's not the best place for it. Um, another good thing is looking at like um, um, a housing commission um, for obviously for a long, longer term buy and hold. Like when, when it comes to like flipping deals, you do have to think about these things, but lesser so. But from a long term capital growth thing, you do have to start to think more about like. Uh, housing commission um how many renters proportion to owner occupiers are there if there's only renters uh, they're probably not going to be the ones pushing up the values the emotional owner occupiers that do it but for me it's also like the the physical going there to the area like are there burnouts are there shopping trolleys are there are there houses that are boarded up looking a bit gross like do i feel safe walking the streets um, the, the, which, the, the pile of tires on fire in the Simpsons that have been burning for twenty years. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I've I'm going to take a step back from this area of research oh, yeah. because yeah, we're, yeah, we're sort of we're putting putting the horse before the cart. Because if you can go and research an area till the cows come home, but if you don't know where you're going, then you'll then you'll get where you're going. Brilliant. Um, Amen. So I I love, yeah, I love to, but I do love area research. Well, I want to learn about that. I mean, learn more about that, learn your sort of perspective. But goals and strategy, what do you sort of think about goal setting? Like, what should we be looking at? How should we do it? Yeah, sure. So if we're going to talk about goals and strategy, um, we need to know what an individual's desires are. So if you are open to playing the game with me, I would like to take you on that journey. You okay to do that? Let's do it. You want to go, Let's, Joe? Or you want to go? So, so you can you can play the game. If you've got pen and paper, that will help you. But I will make it up as I go along and and yep. seek your input. So I I usually can we do it with the audience as well? Yeah, the oh, audience. Of course, well. please take pen, paper, <laughs> write it down, do your calculations. You know the answers. Answers you may yep. never have thought of. Yeah. Well, so my encouragement: play the game. Um, I usually start with the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Oh, okay. Did you, did you know that's, that in... That's, that's Brittany. <laughs> in, in, in year five, I was... I was uh, we did a concert. We were the Spice Boys. I guess which Spice... Uh, person, spice Girl or Spice Yeah, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I was only, I no, was only I 10 or 11, so... but just as a, yeah. Can I just Very remove... Cute. How do I remove Jeff? Okay, now we... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good. I also played Elvis in year, in year three. So I was Elvis okay. in year three. 
So from zero to zero. Okay, so let's do it. Let's play along. How do we do this thing? Yeah, How do we, what tell are we me what you, want, what you really, really want. So arbitrarily create it. You don't have to use any of your own personal data if you don't want to. But for those listening to this, I encourage you to do so. What is the, the – okay, all things lead to one outcome, and that's the availability or the, the ability to live off an income stream you're not working on. That's, it boils down everything. In order for me to survive a life where I'm not working, I need a lump sum amount of money providing a yield that's going to allow me to have an income that I'm either too old or I don't want to work anymore. So on the base, And that's what superannuation is. It's an amount of money invested at a certain rate of return to give me a, a, a passive income, uh, the ability to live without working. All right, so on the premise that that's what we want and that's what we're going for, how much is enough? How much is enough? What is what's going to so, make that? I mean, and and does this factor in a paid off PPOR or or does uh, does it include? Yeah, correct. But that's a second question. What do you want to live off first? What do we want to live off? Three hundred. Jesus, come on, yeah, man. I, I think I, I thought How I told are you. How you living? You don't live. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't need. I don't need three hundred. But just because I want. But that's what he wants to live off. Yeah, that's an objective. Yeah. yeah? All right, great. Yeah, yeah. So typically when I talk to people, I start out with a hundred thousand dollars would be nice. Yeah. If I had a hundred, it's gonna be pretty much one fifty, lovely. If I had a hundred, it's pretty much gonna be double what the uh, uh, average income from a superannuation fund is giving people these days. Yeah. So if we make it a hundred thousand, lovely. On the basis of a hundred thousand, then you go, all right, that's what I need as a passive income. What's the rate of return I'm gonna get? What's, what's my target rate of return? If you've got a residential property in the heart of the city, you might get what, one and a half, two and a half percent? Well, that's got a certain limitation about it. it. Mm, if I go out mm, into mm. regional towns, out into a out into the sticks or a mining town, I can get 12%. Much better return mm. for my dollar, but a lot more risk. Mm. Now, if you take a multitude of different strategic approaches around your investing and returns on investment, it's around about 8% per annum. So I'm going to target eight, yeah? So, yeah, lovely, 8 to 10%. So I'm going to say it's 8%. If we target an 8% per annum, then we need to figure out how much do we actually need. Take your $100,000 income that you want, that's passive, take the return on investment, divide one into the other. 100 divided by 8% is $1.25 million. So you need $1.25 million worth of net income-producing assets. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, one house at an 8% yield, let's say, um, or one commercial property at an 8% yield, let's say, and you've got a passive income of $100,000 a year for the rest of your life and growing. So we now have a target of 1.25. All right, great. Question is then, when do you want to live that life? Now, before we do, we've got to go back to the question you asked earlier, Joe. I want a debt-free home. We can't be servicing debt during this life because that's going to suck up all of our income. So what's the loan remaining on your home? Now, on the premise, you've got a few years. Sorry? Go on. 20 years. 20 years left. All right. So let's say I've got 20 years left and I'm going, all right, I've got 20 years, please, going. Um, I've got about another, let's make $500,000 left to pay out on my home. Yeah? Actually, I'm going to make it. Roughly. Yeah, that'll do. Um, That means 1.75 mil is what I need in the end mm, yep, to be living yep. off $100,000 and pay my home out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. My next question is, when do you want to achieve that? 
two well, years, five years, years, ten years, twenty years? When do you want to achieve that? I mean, I'm getting pretty aggressive here. I'm getting people. 2030, Joe. Less than 10 years. Happen. 20, what is it? We got, we got, what is it? Yeah, 20, 20, 2033 is when I want to kind of make that. 10 years. Make, 10 years. Give yourself too long. So this is where we can get into some goal setting now. Yeah. Uh, the idea of goal setting is very, very difficult as humans to start today and look forward and map forward. What's yeah. very easy for human is, humans is to start back at the well, start at the end and look backwards. So I've got a process that helps me to start at the end and work backwards. Everything works backwards. When you buy a property for adding value, you've got to know what the sell price is and who you're selling to before you buy it to know that there's money in it. Yeah, so everything, end in mind, come back to the where I am today. Same thing for goals. So on the back of that, I got 1.75 I need in 10 years. So there's an approach I call half-life third value. bit mathematical, a bit scientific, I acknowledge that, but given the background, you know, let's play. Yeah, I need but, 1.475 you know, in 10 years. Sorry? You were, teaching, you were teaching, you know, year 8, 9, 10 students, so hopefully we can make it through this one, you know? It is really easy, step-by-step step easy. I need 1.75 in 10 years, yeah? Okay. How much do I need in five years, half-life? Well, I need a third of that. Half-life's one-third. Okay, yep. Yeah, half-life, third value. What's a third of 1.75? You know what? what I have no freak. Uh, let's call it 1.8 because that's a third you can knock easy, yeah? A third of that is 600. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. It does. It is five years, I need 600,000. The How premise of that model... The premise of that model is whatever you learn today, you don't have to relearn. It's not a linear mm -hmm. graph. It, it's not a linear process. I don't have to relearn the same stuff every year. And now it looks like I froze then. So I apologize. No, no, no. For that. I, I, no, so, that's all right. So can, can, can I ask a few questions about, um, because you, you're just throwing a whole bunch of sort of, and it's a really cool concept. I, I do like this one. Um, but you're sort of, how do you, because... I don't think that, that earning that sort of getting to that outcome is, is linear. I, so you, do you often find that people... No, sort of, you not. do better at the back end than you do at the front end, yes? Yeah, which is why... Mm -hmm. the, yep, yep. Which is why yeah. you go for a third of the value in half the time. Yeah, it's going to take yeah, me yeah. longer to make smaller progress. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. But once you've got the so ability, is... I'm going to be able to do it much quicker and more efficiently. So that's to answer the question here. A third because of the sequence and series of formulas... Yeah, which is the question that they're asking. But what you're saying is by the time you've gotten to a third, you're going to be easily able to accumulate that two-thirds faster than because you've Correct. got compound interest I've on your side money. and you've got that value. I've got more money. I've got more experience. I've got more skill. I've got better ability to search for properties. I can find them faster. Yeah. 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 And you get a compounding yep. impact on yourself as well as your property investing. And um, the, the other... The question I wanted to ask is because everybody struggles with actually sticking to a goal. So what, what what sort of tips and or sort of techniques do you use to get people, hold people accountable or hold themselves accountable? Yes, I hear you. Um, it all comes back down to belief and enthusiasm. Yeah, if you put a goal that's too big and too far out, people go, yeah, I'll worry about it later. If they go, what's happening right now? What do I need to do right now? It's real and they make a task list out of it. Then you go, you know what? I can do that task. 
So it's a matter it's of bringing me again back down to, to back down long way off to today. Give me two more minutes and I'll finish this and then you'll know where I'm coming yeah, from. Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I jumped right, That's right. If half-life five years, third value 600, yeah? You half-life that, two and a half years. I need a third of that, 200. Half-life, 1.25 years. A third of that, we're at about 66,000. Yeah. So in a year, I'm going to need about 50-odd grand. Does that make sense? Now, if I say to you, I need 50 grand in a year, you go, actually, I can envisage what 50 grand looks like. I can envisage seeing what 50 grand and maybe a way to do that. And it's only 12 months. I can see a year ahead. Does, do you see where I'm coming from? So suddenly it's all very real. I can achieve that. 50 grand? Right? I think I could make 50 grand this year. Yeah. I think I could make 65 grand next year. In which case, then, your 10 year objective can be done earlier. Hmm. Now are you motivated? I'm motivated. Yep. I'm now so, motivated. So that's, this is, that's we've got more than it's more than just me that's motivated. We've got Jenny here. She's on a whiteboard. She's she's plugging away. <laughs> yeah. And now the beauty of this is the model is exactly the same no matter what your starting position. So what is it you you want as a passive income? Right, so that passive income, what is it? How much the capital you need, assuming say eight percent, what is the capital you need? What is the debt on your home that you still need to pay off? Add the two together. Half-life third value for a period of years that you want to play. And you get down to what do I need in 12 months? Then the question becomes how do I get it? How do I get it? How do I make 60? And now we start to talk about strategy. Now we start to, to make decisions around how I do this given what I need. So can we, then we go, okay, so we're now going down a path of um, uh, strategizing, yeah, selecting strategies. The ability to proceed is premised on the things that you have to play with. What do we have to play What's with? What's your cash position? What's your borrowing capacity? Yeah, because we've only got so many, like this is where I see a lot of people, exactly like your question is, what should I buy? What should I buy? Where should I buy? Well, it's like, yeah, what are your assets and resources that you have on hand? Correct. And what is your borrowing ability? And how are you going to balance those to actually say, what does this next property need to be to allow me to get into this next property, which is then going to allow me to get into that next property? Because just because you've got a million dollars worth of borrowing capacity, you're amazing with borrowing capacity, you don't just buy a million dollar property. You've got to really go on. I mean, you, see, you must have seen this back in the day where you could buy a house and you could just buy another one and you could just buy another one. You could just buy another one. Now, borrowing capacity has shifted quite a lot. Um, there's not really a question in there. I'm sorry. I'm just saying things actually, now. But, uh, actually, you would need to be clever to buy another one and buy another one then buy another one because you've got problems with um, uh, deposits and stamp duty costs. Yeah, they always mm -hmm. suck you dry. If you don't have a, a almost a limitless pool of cash, then you can't keep doing that in a short time frame, which, why, which gave birth to the idea of, Buy one, let it grow, redraw. Buy another one, let it grow, redraw. Buy another one, let it grow, redraw. Start slowly. After about five years, all three are going up. Buy down, uh, buy, redraw more frequently. Go again. But even that has its limitations because of the requirement for you to service more and more debt. So there's, mm -hmm. there's anyway. Um, I, I might see have a cat. Idea. Yeah, I was about to say, I've got a friend who just popped in to say hi. That's all right. I'm really not a fan it's of it. It's all good. Um, anyway, ignoring that. 
So <laughs> there, are, there are components in order for you to pick the right strategy for you that you need to consider. What is my cash position? What is my borrowing capacity? What are my skills? Yeah. What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? Yeah. Um, what do I hate to do? Painting. Because if we painting. need a strategy that involves you not doing the things you hate. Yeah, because if you hate it, you just want you just stop. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and but also what's my goals? Will it what, sorry? Serve my goals. Will it get me my fifty grand or my yeah, my fifty grand in twelve months? If it doesn't, don't do it. Pick another strategy. Hmm. And it's like um I see this a lot actually with renovations where people, I literally, I think I was mentioning this the other week. We have a, my neighbor is doing a renovation project and um, he's a trainee. Can you get your neighbor on a live show? I don't know. I mean, he's not going to want it. He's going to, he's just upset. He's, he's bought this house and he's doing a renovation on it. And about six months ago, he's like, Joe, I'm about to buy a house. Cause he knows, you know, I buy property and, 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 do this and he's like i'm like congrats mate that's amazing renovation what's the plan he's like i'm gonna reno it i'm gonna do it it's gonna be three months in and we're out we're done six months later i'm like how's it going mate he's like oh mate time i just can't get down there he's spending all of his time energy and resources himself making it happen but he's not thinking about the expenses that he's incurring because he's going every single weekend so he's working you know monday to friday in his day job and then Two days a week, he's working on his little project, but it's just every single day is costing. Like the way I like to think about it, every single day that you are not on site getting stuff done, it's a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred dollars in uh, in interest repayments, costing you a boatload of of money. Um, but how do you how do you think about getting that sixty grand? Like what what are some of the the, the ways that we can think about actually pushing this forward and making it happen? Well, again, there are multiple approaches, yeah? So if you want a, uh, uh, a passive income approach, meaning um, uh, I still want my $100,000 a year, I still want to pay uh, my, um, let's say, 10-year objective, frankly, you're not going to buy enough properties and hold enough properties to, break, to, to create that in that time frame. It's not going to work. Um, the only way you can do that is an add value approach. The only way you can do that is buy, add value and sell. So now you're getting into the strategies, yeah? So, I, I mean, let me give you some broad numbers. Every reno project you might want to take on or any reno project, and we'll talk a house or unit, doesn't matter, any reno project you want to take on, whatever the buy price is, 40% of that needs to be available to you in cash. So if I'm looking for a hundred thousand, if a five hundred thousand property to buy, mm -hmm. I need two hundred thousand in cash to see it through. How do, how do you how do you break that down? Like, what do you do? Twenty percent deposit, or yeah, sorry, you probably yeah, don't do that. But. There's a twenty percent deposit straight away. Boom. Five percent in stamp duties. That's twenty five percent. You need four percent of the buy price to cover off your hold costs. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody, you're not renting it. Nobody's bringing you any money. You've got to pay the whole cost. And that includes well, councils. my neighbour at 8%. <laughs> it's taking longer. We'll do it yeah. quicker. Yeah, 4% yeah. of all costs. Um, you need 10% available to you to do the reno. 
So that's fifty k, fifty k reno on a five hundred thousand dollar budget on your reno. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and you that adds up to thirty nine percent. So, oh, sorry, that adds up. You know, it's up to thirty nine percent. So you got twenty percent, five percent, four percent, four percent, and ten percent. Is that 29? 10, 20, 25? Oh, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. 20, 39. 25. Yeah. 39. Well, I will cut see. this bit out. We're live. <laughs> <laughs> 39. Yeah. 39. Yeah. So you got an extra cash. Yeah. Yeah. So all yeah. up, you need 40% of the buy price available in cash to see through. Mm -hmm. Now, the beauty about that is you can turn around and go, oh, how much cash have I got? I got 60 grand. Cool. Well, that means you can afford a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Maybe Renault's not the answer for me then. Yeah. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Knowing your cash and your borrowing capacity allows you then to target the right buy price. Mm. Yeah. And and, and, then, and that's some. Um, Sorry, that's, that's, that's a really interesting, uh, that's a, a point that a lot of people don't consider because they just sort of, they go down the sort of path of, oh, I want the 100K, whatever it is, but they don't, they just sort of buy properties and think that, okay, I'm just buying these properties going to get me. But then if they sort of are able to say, I want that 100K in 10 years, then you got to sort of say, okay, but if they've only got that 60K, then the first one can be a buy and hold, but then number two, or number three or number four of it is can be a Renault project and then you can Renault sell project and you can accelerate to buy the property at a lower LVR potentially. Well, there's a dilemma on that as approach as well. If you've got 60 grand and you're looking the first one to be a buy and hold, let's say, what can you afford to buy and hold with 60 grand deposit or 60 grand amount? You can't really buy that expensive a property. Yeah. And if you Unless you're increasing the LVR. Money, to, yeah. Well, great. Let's even go at 95%. Yeah. Let's just say 95% LMI. Yeah. Oh. At, and stamp duties, which, you're still going to have to maybe, pay anyway. Maybe 300K, yeah, maybe 300, maybe 400. Correct. So you're at a 300K price, yeah? So yeah. 300K price, you're looking for $100,000 per annum in 10 years' time off a $300,000 long-term buy and hold. Is You're just not going to get it. You're not going mm. to make it in that time frame. Yep. And if you've tied up all of your money, it's taking you 30 years to get 60 grand, you're going to go, I don't have a snowflakes of raising another uh, 60 grand in 12 months in order to go again. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you must you you must see this a lot actually where people just get desperate and buy hope and they buy a deal that like oh well it is 300,000. I mean we've gone through the biggest boom. Like I'm I'm hearing this all the time. People are coming to me saying, "Joe, I want to buy a $350,000, $300,000 house." And I'm like, "To be honest, if we've just gone through the largest boom in history and it's grown 20% last year, 20% the year before, and your house is still worth $300,000. I'm sorry to say, it's probably not a great capital growth asset that's going to keep going. Um, so you do have to start to get a little bit more creative and, and start to try and push things. Um, I feel like there are there are strategies though like like one of the strategies that i implemented on my my first deal i was in this exact situation um i had um i had a, a property that i wanted i had sixty thousand dollars of cash and i'm like great i can get a little rubbish buy and hold but um what i did do instead was well i want to do this add value i i i, I read some courses read some books and i'm like i want to add value buy renovate and then hold um, so I used something called a guarantor loan where I was 
went to the bank of mom and dad. I didn't ask for any money. I'm like, I don't want any money, but I just need you to go guarantor on this loan. Um, and then the bank will lend the money against that. And then I had $60,000 of cash. Now, some of that went to the, the, the stamp duties, but then also I had, you know, whatever it was, $40,000 that I could then renovate. It then lifted the value up and then released the guarantor loan. And then I had enough equity built up that I could refinance to pull my deposit out, which meant I kept the house as a hold and then had the cash there um, as that. So I don't want to, you know, tell people that there aren't ways around it, but <laughs> there's not many ways around it, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, it all comes back down to time. It all comes back down to time and the amount of growth available to you, which then leads into the, well, what's happening in the property market? Where, where's the market going? And, and then a broader understanding or a requirement for a broader understanding about uh, uh, media house price, media movements, not only nationally, but within cities and locally. So, so this is a bit of a divergence of the, the, the you know, the, the script that we had set up of talk about we strategy, did. but what are your thoughts on, on where this is going, right? Like the property What's market, has, as I said, 20%, 20%, like it's gone, it's gone ridiculous. The past 24 months is not going to be what the next 24 months are looking like. Like from your experience for the past 20 years of what you've seen booms and busts, how do you feel? Where do you feel we are? What do you think is kind of coming up and what should we be thinking It's a tough about? question, Joe. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a tough yeah. question, but as a man that's in property, um, I'm sure he's thought about it. <laughs> Um, I actually run a company called Property Predictions as well, which is all about data analysis. So, so uh, yeah, I've got some scope on it. If you if you you thought about it at least, thought about it, yeah, just maybe perhaps. Um, there, at a macro level, at a macro level, uh, we are facing, and you would have heard this many many times by media, uh, a real shortage of stock. And the consequence of the shortage of stock um, is pressure on house price. So economics 101, supply and demand. Yeah. yeah. If, you've got, if you've got an amount of stock and amount of properties up for sale, sorry, amount of stock and amount of buyers and they equal each other, you'll see no discernible price movement. Suburb yeah. level, city level, nationally. Yep. Great. Yep. Agree. If you have a reduction in the amount of stock, yeah, and an increase in the amount of sales, then you get a significant pressure on price. The demand, it's like um, playing, do you remember musical chairs? Yeah, yeah. Well, the game musical piece, chairs. Yeah, musically played 10 chairs. If there, were, if there were nine kids and 10 chairs, was there ever a problem? No. Oh, there's a little bit because one... Oh, Hardly a game. Chairs, sorry, Hardly the other nine, way nine, nine kids and ten chairs. Everyone's more got chairs, a seat more enough game. Yeah. If there are ten... And then what, then what you get is price decline. You have an oversupply relative to market demand. You get price decline. If you've got ten chairs and ten kids and the music stops, is there any pressure for the kids? No. No. Just go and sit down. No, that you might find a few run for the lounge chair, but... Oh, good. No problems. No but problems. If, you've got, if you've got nine chairs and ten kids, suddenly you've got a panic to want to put your butt on a seat. <laughs> right. We're in an environment when there was a shortage of 13 kids and three chairs. 
you had a frenzy and you had price growth as a consequence, yeah? Um, there is, <laughs> now you've started a topic of passion. There is, there is a uh, uh, SQM research. Um, SQM research has a graph. If you just do national uh, review of uh, available Louis, stock. Louis Christopher, Sorry? yeah. We've got to get him on. We yeah. have to get him on the show at some stage, maybe. If you do that, you'll see that there is a significant drop in the volume of listings, and it's all the 180-day-plus range listings. So everything was sucked dry. All the backlog of stock was sucked dry, and it was sucked dry uh, during the pandemic. And it hasn't. there hasn't been enough time for it to revert yet. So we have a shortage of stock on the market, and that shortage is remaining. It's not, it's not fixing itself. And what you've got, okay, so back to our supply and demand, yeah? You've got a scenario where you've had a significant drop in stock. As, but even with the pandemic and even with the where we're at, what we're getting is a significant drop in the number of sales. Now, if you've got a drop in the number of sales and the drop in the number of stock, you think there's not a lot of price pressure. No, the drop in the stock has gone so low that even when the drop in the sales has fallen, it hasn't fallen at the same rate or the same volume, and you've still got pressure on price and prices are climbing. Right. There was a news broadcast on the ABC not uh, about, I don't know, a week ago, and it's probably one of the most telling graphs around forecasting median price movement that I've ever seen put up on a TV news broadcast before. Okay. And it demonstrated that over the next five years, irrespective of the volume of houses that we are planning to build relative to available supply of materials and available labour right across the country, we're 175,000 houses short. Is that Matusik? Yes. Yeah. And is on it, the back is, of that, is that, factoring in, is that factoring all the people, that, the immigration that they're sort of, have they projected that or is that sort of? I imagine well, it's also factoring. because of the immigration. While the immigration yeah. might bring in some labour, the volume of immigration is still going to require demand in housing and it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. So consequently, the next five years, irrespective of the conditions, the simple equation of supply and demand will force price up. My read is market prices will peak at around about late, mid, late 27. Oh, interesting. Because are you, are, you a, are, you a, are you a sort of component, I mean a component, but are you, have you followed the 18-year property cycle much or not really? Interesting that you say that, correct. Yes, I, I oh, am familiar with it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't build a world around it and I am mm. sceptical of all patterns of behaviour that, that exist. And now I've done analysis based on that of housing prices mm. and it doesn't hold true. Mm. I've, I've done analysis of that based on broader economic circumstances and it's, got, it's on shaky ground. Mm. That said, yeah. though, I do appreciate the correlation. Correlation doesn't equal causation, I suppose. That's the other. Correct. Yeah, this correct. Is, but let's, let's so, throw, can I throw a bit of a spin in the works and let, let's just say that people get to a stage where I know that, yeah, there's, there's like sort of what, 35, 40% of people who don't have a lot of debt on property. So that probably throws my hypothesis out that I'm just plucking numbers here. People may have the numbers. But let's just say that people start to feel more stress and whether it's actual or um, in, in oh. the sort of demolition. Yeah, what happens then? As a concept, as a concept yeah. 
a third of the people are renting, a third of the people have mortgages and a third of the people have their houses paid out. So there's a third yeah. of the population that will be feeling the pain from interest rates. Yeah. If that was your point. Sorry, I interjected. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm just, I'm trying to sort of, because otherwise we just get into a, like a bit of an echo chamber of, oh, well, property's so great, yada. I'm just trying to think of. Well, sort what, of well I mean, the government's, the government's promised, what was it, far, no. 1.2 million over five years, I think. It was originally a million. dollar houses yep. over yep, five which years. Which represents 230,000 a year and our maximum ability to date has been 200 a year. So the materials so and the labour required to produce 230 is beyond the capacity of the country at this point. Well, we can we can get more. We can just pay more for it. We can go to China and, you know, finally, it's about time. They buy all our stuff. It's fair that we start buying some of their stuff. I Buy what? Material or labour? Material. We're probably labour-wise. Uh, this is the big, I mean, this is the thing I'm, I'm very scared of is when the, sen the market sentiment shifts as well. Because sentiment is a large driver of demand, and right now it's in a bit of a bit of a shaky point. We've we've been we've had thirteen interest rates rising quite a lot. Um, we've now had three pauses. What happens when the demand starts increasing on on this as well? Like, it, I, I don't know what happens. I mean, you know, mathematically, more demand with no supply increasing. More price rate, correct. Is more done. Like I, we're, I don't want to think. Like it's price growth. I want but prices then we're, to we're, wrong. The, the only the way they're they're fueling that though is increasing the, the ability to borrow though, because you'd have to then sort of throw in forty year mortgages like that. Because unless you loosen the credit policy, that's probably the the bit of the only hammer. Unless people are buying with, with sort of cashing up, and then you're sort of saying some people are left behind somewhat. Maybe. So we've yeah. got um, again. I agree with you. I'm anticipating at some point there'll be multi-generational loans. So That's you scary. might find banks work into a, uh, uh, you put the kids on it too, and we have we have the ability for kids to pay off debt over a long period of time. Um, yeah. You have... Um, uh, what, to get more liquidity model. into the market, more capital into the market by... Correct. That's how, the, well, the banks have got to make their money. Yeah. Uh, and, and if they've got too much restriction on borrowing and that limits their ability to make profit, how can we tweak the modelling so that we get more? Now, we, we trended away from our 25-year into 30-year loans. won't be long before you get into longer versions of loans. Um, mm. You didn't have, and now you do, uh, you now have uh, reverse mortgages as a way to be able to get capital out, out of your house and not have to pay it back until you're dead uh, or, or mm. worse of that effect. So, but again, we, we're talking about philosophical shifts, which may or may not play out. And I can't say I've investigated all of those as a full. No, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, and and I, 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 I'm not in a position to be able to go, this is a truth. Yeah, I'm in a position to be able to go, yeah, there are some things that might be played out and there are some speculative decisions that people can make around what might be possible here. But it's actually not something we can and should count on. What we need to count on and what we need to review is that which is real and what is real, we have a, shout, a shortage of housing, we have an increasing population, we are not going to make, be able to meet that. Uh, any rent capping, any other in, uh, uh, policies around attempting to control or support that may in fact be counterproductive. Um, and they're not going to, and the government, as much as they want to throw money and solve the problem, is not going to solve the problem fast enough. 
Yeah, it's going to take years for that to occur. So we're at a point where there is no choice. Yeah, there is no choice. Prices will climb. And um, uh, you talk about, wait for the news articles. Um, First home buyers don't have a chance. So first home buyers, they're coming. Yeah. Um, Mm. You you talk about shortage of rental, that will pass. Um, That was, sorry, no, that will remain a story, but that will soon be backed by. First home buyers can't buy. It's too expensive for first home buyers. There's just no way. We've got to build smaller houses, smaller dwellings. So why? Sorry, just going back to that. Why would um? Why would first? Why is the rental? Sorry, the rental is going to shift so people can. Uh, the rental, the, the rental is gonna... unlikely to shift soon. Ultimately, it will, but it's unlikely to shift soon. So we're at the stories coming out in the media, Joe. It's about sort of yeah. what what the what the sort so of hot the stories topic. in the media will be. The, the rental story will remain for quite some time. The yeah. uh, soon the stories will come out first home buyers and priced out of the market again, and there'll be a whole massive conversation around unaffordability. Um, and then there'll yeah. be some grants to throw out when first home buyers In which get case, amazing. What does that do to prices? More capital into the market. Prices. Yeah, the only yeah. way to put <laughs> and the only way to solve the problem for short term, a short term problem solution for rentals is to incentivize investors back into the market, but they're not going to do that. Because it's a long-term strategy that doesn't yield... And it's just going to raise good, It doesn't, doesn't yield a good uh, headline. I, uh, I mean, what's the solution? Anyway. What, 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 what would you be... if you, Let's say you're an advisor to the government, to these guys. Oh, wow. what, what's, and I, I know you're not. Um, I know you're pro-property, and, but um, yeah, this is I, a big I, problem. In, and I in order to... If I was to throw out a thought, and again, I, I don't want to be political here. I just raise that alarm. And you ask me if I, if I was to advise whoever is in power. Um, the, the, the solution to the problem, you're not going to see, I say, I say, you're not going to sort it out by a five-year project of investing money into um, uh, building new houses. Yeah, it's too far and the problem's too now. The only way to solve the problem is the government to spend to buy existing houses now and then do their rental um, support mechanism. So they just simply buy people's houses. Mm. Yeah, so if you've got someone, investor leaving, or you've got a a deceased estate, or you've got an uh, ex-rental that's going on the market, you've got any house that's going on the market, provided hits with a certain budget range, um, the government just goes around and buy it. Now, the government shouldn't tell anybody they're going to do that because as soon as they do, prices will go up. But, again, uh, the government goes out and buys houses and then they put it on the public housing register for people to live in. Yep, that's, that's an immediate solution, but it's a capital injection. And on the back of, we've spent so much money on infrastructure, we've spent so much money on pandemic, we are in so much debt right now, the odds of that are relatively low and I don't think that'll easily get across the line. Second, and I, I think I think you've hit the you've hit the nail on the head there. That's any any solution needs to probably have sort of a longer term, and and the problem is any any sort of politician or party wants to get wants to focus on what's going to get them elected. So it's not about sort of solving the for 10, 15, 20 years down the track. It's about what's going to get me in. in oh, you can the build them over time, and that will be fine. You need to solve yeah. the problem now and you need to solve it significantly enough and fast enough that it takes the heat out of rent growth. Yeah. 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 Um, if you get back to... Short-term... 
yeah. the only solution that I came up with, and let's let's move move on from this topic, but I think it's a invitation for a beer over a beer or, or wine, maybe because I, I want to learn but, about error research. Show error research, but no. mate, who Go cares on. about area research? I want to know about the goods. But the, I mean, the solution that I came up because I've been racking my brain with this, and I'm like, how do we? I'm incentivized to make the market go boom. It's great for the business and all of that, but I don't want that because it's it's going to be tough. The solution I came up with was what they're doing in Brisbane, allowing people to have granny flats and rent them independently um, and to have make it easier to have more people, more family in dwellings that um, like the, 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 well, the Queenslanders that have the space downstairs, you put somebody, another family within there. Yes, it's not legal height at 2.4 metres, but below that you can put people in the house, put a granny flat in, allow people, make it easier for additional dwellings on the same site, which, yes, it's not ideal, but it's some kind of quick fix so people aren't living in bloody tents. Um, but there's still not enough of that out there. Um, but that's a that's yeah, a great. Yeah, you open point. the door to that. There's a can of worms associated in my mind. I hear your words, and yes, you're right. But there's a can of worms going on to the future around that. Yeah, you said I could, and how do they repeal such a thing? And you and then yeah, you've you got building codes and building codes, and all that. So for, for that particular example, the, mm. if you don't want to change planning policy, sorry, changing planning policy is powerful for getting more things built. Absolutely, but that's still a two or three year approval for for that to occur. Granny yeah. flats, yes, putting them out the back, brilliant from a way of sharing and, and building something on the back. But uh, if you're going to later change the policy back into, oh, now it needs to be a, uh, a family-only thing, people aren't necessarily going to want to do it. And it's still going to require a $200,000 spend. And people have to come up with the money. People have to then um, get planning approval for it. And they're going to have to build it. And it's not solving the problem today either necessarily. Although that would be faster than building your thousands of houses for, for um, social housing. Um, the only other way to immediately solve the problem is literally to incentivize investors back into it by offering them more tax incentives to say, we will benefit you for a period of two years. And this is all we need to cover. Two years. You get in, you provide a house, there's a financial win, um, uh, provided someone else lives in it, uh, we'll mitigate some of the negative geared expenses for it because there's still negative geared expenses. But if you get in and you do this for two years, you know what? There's a prize in it for you. There's a prize in it for the tenants. And there's a prize in it for the government because I get to solve a problem and get re-elected. So the carrot, the uh, carrot there is a stick. We give, give people the carrot. Yeah, is what that's, you're a governmental, that's a governmental suicide. Uh, no government you, is going you to You invited me to go, what would I recommend? And they're the two solutions that I can see. Okay. That was solid. That None was very good. Free. Okay. Look, we're Don't here. <laughs> I love that. That was fantastic, Brendan. Thank you very much. I didn't think we'd go down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad we did. Um, let's have a bit of a refresh. Jeff, what are we talking about next? What is the next topic <laughs> we're going to bring off? Because what are we supposed to talk about today again? I, I'm sure oh, we'll get we, we've talked about We've talked about most of So we have talked about goals and then strategy. We touched on strategy. I, I think otherwise we could probably spend another half an hour on strategy. But I Not think do, what, do people want to see area research? So how to understand what to look for or what the things that Brendan sort of looks for in his, in his property investing. And then Joe yeah. can sort of satisfy his own sort of little, um, little things he wants to learn Scratch about. Scratch my itch. Yeah, exactly. Scratch, Scratch oh, that itch. Right. Give us the good. Well, before so we do. Joe, before... When you buy, are, you a, are you a buyer's agent? I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am a buyer's agent. Yes. You, I buy investment want... property uh, for, for people. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. 
And, and what sort of investment properties do you buy for people? Do they say, I want a renovator, you go and buy, find it. I want a development, you go and find it. Or is it, I want to do buy and hold, you go and find it? Well, it, de it depends. It, the answer is it depends. But so yes, you buy... serve the needs of the client. You ask them what do they want and they tell you. And to you a degree. It and then I try and buy something that can have, have value add in the future is my goal. What can you buy right totally. now? It is solid performer. Do you want to develop it right now? Nope, I don't. Great, but how about having some development potential? But how about having some okay. value? Okay. Good, 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 good. So you're telling me short term buy and hold or short to mid term buy and hold with the potential for something adding value later? Correct. Right. Gen so basically, if you're going to buy in an area, buy a bigger block with the potential to subdivide. If you're going to buy a uh, something to do add value on. Um, such as a reno, then buy something a little crappy now and get a cheaper rent for it. But you know what? You've got it. You can do the reno later. You, out of, out of bedroom, out of bathroom. Yep. Do something straight. All right, right. But livable now, rentable now. Okay, good. Yeah. So the actual satisfaction of the add value component is secondary to the I want to buy in an area, yes? Good So location, your purpose because... for finding... Your purpose for finding then is all about a short-term beneficial win financially for your client, yes? Say so, yep. Growth. Short-term growth. growth. Yep. All right, great. Should we, before um, we get too deep, sorry, right? should we run the ad? Let's let's yes. do that. and then Because we'll, otherwise okay. we'll, we won't. Got to pay the bills. Sorry. Uh, well, we don't really have too many bills, but uh, we do have two ads that we have to run. Sorry, right now we should be trying to do it. I get it. And we'll get back in. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases, it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yield, so you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years' experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. Sorry, Dan. So I just thought if, if we didn't do it, then we, we probably weren't going to do it. So thanks. So. But let's let's get back on the same track. So we're, we're buying an investment property and we're focusing on growth and all that sort of stuff because I, I was enjoying that, but I was just like, ah, we, yeah. So go on, okay. carry on. Yeah, cool. You're cool. good with questions, so, Brandon. Yeah, thank you very much. I um, might have asked them once or twice. Um, 
So you're, uh, you're after a something with an immediate hit or immediate, well, not hit, win, immediate win, yeah? Immediate win, right. undervalue. Immediate win. Right. Something that doesn't, where people aren't seeing the value for whatever reason and then I can buy it for a steal from, from the agent. Right. So are you using negotiation as your primary tool for the capital growth or are you using location and natural market-driven growth as the, as, the, as the lift? Ideally both. So like we're buying in markets right. that have right. that, right. that right. uptick right. and then, yeah. Yep. And then are you going for positive cash flow or negatively geared predominantly? No such thing as positive cash flow in this market anymore, unfortunately. Not no such thing, but yeah, I beg to differ, but I'm not going to go down that path right now. All right, great. So, yeah. so on the premise, uh, we're looking at negative gear and we're looking at growth. All right, I get it. Um, the essence of what you're after comes down to a relationship of supply, demand, and price. Yes. Yep. So, what you want to do? Uh, there's a there's a historically what is it? Jeremy Shepherd. John Lindemann, yes, yes, um, a number of others came up with their relationship. Basically, there's a ratio between listings and supply. Listings yep. and sales, sorry, yeah? Um, your job pretty much is to monitor listings and sales. Now, if you're looking at, hang on, I'm looking at Australia or I'm looking at a state or I'm looking at a city and I don't know where to go, um, and I tell you to go and look at listings and sales, in every suburb, you're going to go, yeah, get stuff. That's not going to happen because that's just too much work. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is to give you a clue and give everybody who's watching this a clue as to how to find great long-term, mid-term and short-term growth properties, yeah? Yeah, that's pretty good to right. me. Yeah, let's do that. We yeah. want. Trifecta, we call so, that. So, yeah, there is an approach that I am, must say, still developing and confirming. But looking good at this stage, so you're getting an early date. Oh, he's throwing, he's throwing um, some some stuff scoop, in the uh, in the lab. This is uh, it's it's yeah. not out of the lab just yet, but we are experimenting, everyone. But, how long uh, have you been working yeah. on for? Uh, probably a couple of years now. Um, Look, let's let's uh, let him tell us what the thing is months. before he before he changes his mind. <laughs> let's. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, actually, no, I can't do that. He's, oh, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> what are we talking um, here? What are you saying? Yeah, no, it's just a sequence of a, a sequence of um, uh, investigative points. That's all. Uh, okay. And and what is that sequence of points? Yeah, the information is already available, and you, it requires knowledge and background and understanding in order to be able to take full value of it. And I haven't yet converted into a system whereby people can push a number in and get it and get an answer spat out. You know? It's not at that stage. But the broad model is quite simple. Um, you look at national housing policy. You look at um, the RBA. So you take all the major influences nationally. APRA, um, housing policy, economic circumstances, um, uh, and, ca and current housing market on a national supply-demand uh, uh, relationship, and you look at that at a macro level. When we say housing um, policy, is each talking about how many houses they're going to build, or are we talking about like um, are they going to have rent caps? Like, what does housing policy mean? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm talking about um, 
What's the current housing, APRA's current housing policy is you've got to have a 3% buffer on lending, which is going to be a limitation on what people uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, you I see know, what you mean. We've got yeah. um, economic circumstances such that there's a fear of global uh, recession yeah. pending. Uh, we've had come off the back of high inflations. We've just had a series of uh, high uh, interest rates put put forward, which were plateaued from. And, and it's, Joe, it's what you said earlier around uh, sentiment, yeah? So you're taking the national perspective of it and you're keeping that in the back background. Then you go into the states and you, then you start to look at, all right, great, what is this money being spent on housing? So you're looking at a housing policy. So as a concept, you're looking to buy in Brisbane as an idea, yeah, if my memory serves correct. I didn't That's mention right. that. Yep. So on the premise you're looking to play in Brisbane, what you'd want to do, my encouragement for you, is get the planning document from the state government. Generally speaking, they have a 2050 model or a 2040 model or something like that. And what that planning document highlights is where they're going to push population. It also highlights where they're going to push infrastructure money. People follow money. So wherever the money gets spent is where the population will be going. Wherever people get pushed, the population will be going. What do you think that does to demand? Lifts it. High demand, uh, therefore we need to build. So you're going to get pressure on price for the buy-in area. You're going to get pressure on price for the sell. You're going to see a lift and, and you're going to see um, an improvement in the lifestyle. There are two ways to add value to a property. Improve the convenience or lifestyle of the property or put more heads on the same square metres. Those two things are the most fundamental way that you lift value. Yeah, a development is doing both. I take a crappy house, bowl it over, build multiple houses. I've got more heads on the same square metres and I'm putting a beautiful house in place that people will pay a fortune for, therefore I can expect to make money. And you do, yeah? Obviously, costs that you're going to have to know those, but park that, yeah? All right, so wherever the state government's planning document says to go, that's going to be the belt that you might want to be considering. And there will be hubs, they, the planning department nationally or city-wise deal, deals in hubs. Um, there will be a, a, uh, a freeway that will end somewhere. There will be a hub there. There will be a spot in the middle where a, a train station goes and it intersects with, a, with a, a major freeway. There's going to be a hub of activity there. Why? Transport routes are convenient. The ability to get to and from the city is convenient. The ability to get to and from work. So you look at the planning document. Great. I've cross-referenced now national circumstances and what's going on with the planning scheme of the state that I'm interested in. Ooh. Then I look at projects. When are they due for completion? So um, on the announcements, so let me give you an insight into how um, uh, money in housing plays on infrastructure projects. There's an announcement, there is a, a planning, there is an execution, and then there's completion. Money, uh, house prices go up on announcement, plateau a little bit and spring back uh, during the uh, planning phase. The, then the, the construction begins, they go down a little, and then construction's complete and only then do they start to rise. And they start to rise and they stay risen. Why? People drive along the new freeway and they go, gee, that was quicker than I thought it would be to get here. Do you know, I think I can afford to be here. I think it's going to be okay for me to get to and from work if I live here. You know what? I think I might go on by. And you get people come in and enjoy the convenience of being in that location. 
So then the infrastructure allows greater convenience and population grows as a result. Money's been spent in that area. So only go to those areas where infrastructure projects are completing in the year that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. One, and one, one buy the, within a, a convenience factor of that infrastructure as a so suggestion. A great, a great question that's come up here. Are you saying buy greenfields? But this is a really good point because there are suburbs like, there are suburbs in Logan, there are suburbs within Ipswich, like I'm in Brisbane, so I'm just thinking about these kind of, kind of locations. Where Not to, Ripley, it's a rubbish Ripley, suburb, but Ripley. Yeah, we don't, yeah, don't, no, I can't say that. Don't not buy them. Do whatever you want to do. But um, there are there's a lot of land supply here and there's a lot of infrastructure coming to Logan. There's a lot of money going into these these new greenfield estates. Does that mean where these things are ending up? Should we should we go ahead and just, you know, buy in a place? But the challenge that you've got when you do that is there's no demand and supply pressure. For the short term, yes, in 10 years' time, when the new freeway is built and this place is all done, it's all built, yeah, yeah, you're going to have some pressure. But right now... For so the, let's for talk the... about Greenfield Estates. Hmm. Yeah, Cranbourne was one of the most classic examples. But again, you can generalise that to other Greenfield Estates. In a Greenfield Estate, it is not the market that determines the price on construction. It is the developer mm-hmm. and the desire for profit. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they control the release of land, don't they? Control it all. Sorry. They can, they, they can control the release of land. over sort of. They, that's why they do stages, isn't it? Not only can, they do to preserve mm-hmm. price. They can't afford mm-hmm. to flood the market. They stage it so that prices are seen to be growing. Mm-hmm. So they will put, and then Illusion. they can change their price accordingly relative to different costs over a period of time and relative to a desire for more profit. Oh, we didn't make as much out of that. Let's put prices up in the next stage so that we can offset the profit that we didn't make in the first stage, yeah, as a concept. Anyway, it is the developer that t- determines the price, not the market. And the developer has enough uh, capacity with enough collateral and capital behind them to incentivize by low-cost entry, um, long-term finances. And the problem with people buying their first home is I don't have the money or the cash saved to go and buy it right now, and I don't think I'm ever going to get the cash, and I'll take the chance and I'll just go for a cheap entry on low dollars with a high loan, I'm in. And the price becomes secondary to the ability to buy. Yeah. So they'll buy it. So Greenfield Estates are all about getting new homeowners in to take advantage of government incentives and, and, and um, buying incentives by the developer, but is the developer that determines the price. They release so their phases. This... Sorry, sorry. sorry. Is, I'm just thinking from, from an investor audience, should is this something we should be considering? Should we be thinking, hey, let's go buy a Greenfield Estate on a 400-square-metre block? How advanced do you want to be? You need to be buying two or three thousand lots, or you know, we're talking we're talking tens of millions of dollars as purchase prices for the land alone. We're talking ten years to, for the process of completion before you actually get all of the money back. But yeah, you're talking a pretty bloody lovely lifestyle at the back end of one of those projects. Yeah, but the infrastructure and the knowledge required to do that is fraught with risk and danger. And if you crash and burn with that magnitude of a deal. Under uh, while underway, you're not coming. There back. are a lot of people hurt. 
Mm. Yeah. So, for, so short okay. answer be, unless you're ready, no. Yeah. All right. So from the perspective of the nature of the Greenfield estate again, yeah, if you've got yeah. um, phase one and phase two is going up in value and phase three is going up in value more, you can make money out of a phase one purchase by getting in early and watching that price rise and selling before they complete. Yeah. Why? Because once they complete, the market controls the price. Yeah, and this is something you hear all the time with these like spruikers when they're selling it. Now, the, the reason I asked about should we be buying these sites is because I'm talking more about the individual asset the developer is selling because a lot of the newbies in investing, that's their go-to, right? Tax depreciation, you know, positive cash flow, all of that kind of stuff off these small little sites. Um, but they're not necessarily the best the best investments. But you hear this all the time. Hey, so, I actually yeah, own two lots. No, from an investment perspective, no, yeah. I own two, because this is what the developers say, that I own two lots of yeah. these. I bought them in. You, you're, I'm in. You're going to be fine and buy But they're in at stage one. You're in stage three, but <laughs> they've already say, they've already made $50,000 uh, and they're getting a $40,000 commission from you signing up onto that thing. So I'm getting on a, getting on a soapbox. soapbox. So apologies. Get off it, Joe. Get off your bloody soapbox. Anyway. We're not in talking about in relation to a greenfield estate as an investment opportunity, it is a short-term purchase by encouragement. Once the estate is completed, your house is no longer new. Your house is no longer the new kid on the block. The incentives don't exist in your area. Uh, it is a market-driven decision around what the price is that people will be buying from you for or how you value you want to refinance, bank says it's not worth what you pay for it. It's not worth what you think it's worth. You want to sell it in the open market once the process is complete. The one across the road in the new estate, I can get in for cheaper or less. I don't want yours. And then prices come down, yeah? So they stay flat for up to a decade. And then they start to equalise and come out. So my encouragement, if you're going to do a greenfield site purchase, it's a 20-year, 15, 20-year hold, but don't expect it a lot in the second 10 years or in the, sorry, in the last 10 years. Great. So short answer for what you're talking about, Joe, for the support of others and around infrastructure. No, it's the wrong infrastructure. You want to go into established areas where infrastructure is improving, um, where you've got limited supply already, market driven um, uh, circumstances already in that suburb and money is being spent there. Hey, hey, um, one of the questions I have is what are the best bang for your bucks infrastructure spends? So a, a wind farm for Bravo, $2 billion. Road. Sorry. Are you, are, you, are you suggesting railroad or supermarket type stuff? Hospital upgrade, um, hosp brand new hospital, brand new shop, right. um, road, wind farm, uh, oil field, dam. I don't know about wind farms. All of these, like, because you see billions of dollars going into some of these things, but they're not all, oh, $2 billion into a wind farm. Yeah, that's great during construction, but once it's done, it only needs 10 people to survive. Um, a hospital upgrade that's only spending $300 million, well, shit, that's actually going to mean you're going to get 300 new jobs that are government-based and going to going to stick around so i guess um yeah the question is like what do you see as the best bang for your buck when you're looking at infrastructure what what are the things that we should be looking out for to get that short-term capital growth and long-term capital growth great 
It's all about perspective. Your perspective when you think about this, lifestyle and convenience factor, heads in the area. Yeah? Growth only occurs on those two components. Mm. Improve the lifestyle and convenience or get more heads in the area. Now, if you're going to put an infrastructure in there, such as a multi-story development where it's apartments, yeah, there's going to be more heads in the area. More heads in the area means greater demand, more people around. Shops and businesses are going to benefit from that, which means people are going to pay more to be in those shops and areas, which means there's going to be a better quality of shop or a better quality of tenant, in which case better um, better uh, supply, better convenience factor and more nicer stuff in the shopping mall than in the shopping strip, in which case this is a nicer place to be price growth. Yeah? So it's all about the perspective. How does this infrastructure affect the convenience of my life and the number of people that will be in the area? If I get to get there faster, that's a convenience in my life. Be a convenient for many people. More people will want to be there. Demand goes up. Population moves. Does, does that help with the perspective? It does. I mean, if there's a if there's a great hospital upgrade, more people have to go there. If there's a, if there's a road cutting through the area, demand is going to go down because the road. Yes, it's a new Bruce Highway is getting upgraded. Oh, but it's actually going around your town, and you're going to actually get skipped. Um, In which case, great, great. Yeah, the, the odds are more people are not going to be in your suburb. So and therefore, do the research. Less demand. So there's going to be kind more, of, there's going to be less heads. And therefore, more convenience from a transport perspective, but lesser, lesser quality of, of, of environment to be in, prices will likely decline. All right, so now we get into them drilling down into the, those suburbs, yeah? Because are we running yeah. out of time? Uh, not really. I, I just I, I saw those points and I want, I want to talk about those as well because I think there's well, heaps of value. I want to finish the, point with the question that you first asked, which is what are the things we need to be looking at, yeah? yeah so yeah, we've gone national, we've gone yeah, state, yeah and city yep. and infrastructure spend, yep, and you go where the state's telling everybody that they need to go. Then for, again, Actually, Joe, just, for you, sorry, sorry. Buy, just, just, just to go back, how do we find that? Like where do, we, where do we Google to get the information that you're talking about there? Oh, just go to your state government. Just Google um, planning document for city. <laughs> and just type the LGA. Morton Bay, what's going on? No, 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 again, well, you can do Morton Bay. I'm talking about macro first. Yes, statewide infrastructure spend. Queensland, right. Correct. Where's the money being spent? What are the road projects? What are the, 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 and and there was a list. I mean, I I did a presentation a couple of years ago where I Googled that three days before I did the presentation and said, guys, this is where you want to go in the not too distant future. Did did one of those. like one of, one of those areas that popped up, um, sort of parts of sort of Morford Vale, given that big road they did in South Australia? Oh, in, uh, in Adelaide? Again, I've, I've not invested the time. I mean, I'm working on the system. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah. So the, the upshot out of that, then we drill down into now the little pockets in the areas, and that is all about um, uh, supply and demand in local environments. Yep. So where you get listings data, sales data, you compare one against the other and you monitor that over a period of time. If you monitor the number of sales, you monitor the number of listings over a period of time and the ratio, month in, month out, same day of the month, 
then you'll get a trend about where things are going, whether the listings are going up or going down, whether the sales are going up or going down, and therefore what median price is likely to do in the immediate future. And under just those listing circumstances, volume, just listing sales. Listings and sales. Um, most of the other data is actually uh, available and the way it's produced is actually retrospective as opposed to forecasting. And it's reaffirming data points as opposed to leading data points, um, which is a fascinating thing. Anyway, what are some other, other leading data points? What are some other leading data points? Well, if you wanted a leading data point, go into um, realestate.com.au and look at um, click search rates by property in a suburb. Uh, it's that, available. Is it the search interest? Online search interest. Search interest, correct. Mm. Yep. Mm. Now, if you've got listings, sales, and that search data, then you'll have a, a fairly strong methodology, and you monitor that monthly. You have a fairly strong methodology uh, leading into demand change and supply change, which by default gives you leading information into price change. Because it's just telling you where are people looking at, where are people transacting at, and what volume of properties are coming onto that market, which gives you that balance of supply and demand. My only alarm around that is the term where. Um, well, I'm suggesting that you do it for multiple suburbs in the area where the infrastructure is going to be ending and, and where you, you know, based on what we've been talking about, um, do it in those areas for all suburbs simultaneously. Uh, so you might be assessing 5, 10, 20 suburbs, but it's easy data to gather and you're only doing it once a month anyway. And then you look for trend and wherever the trends are most favourable, that's where you want to go first because that's where the growth is likely to occur next. From, from, what, you, from what you've sort of done and seen, how, how long have you looked at a, would you like to see a trend? Are you looking at six-month trends? Are you looking at 12 months? Like how Three gets four? you the earliest. Six is going to be better. Yeah, yeah, okay. You'll three months is not, not that long, whereas six months you sort of start to see. But then, yeah, but then how do you, yeah, I suppose then you've got to make sure you're not just looking at that. You want to sort of see other factors play into it because just because. But I mean, that's, that's what you're falling into, right? It is that looking at the wide, looking at the macro state and then macro, drilling micro, into the absolutely. suburb, that's SA it. the SA3. Drill into the suburb, and then we start talking about pockets, which I guess we haven't really we haven't gotten to yet because we're we're just not there. No, so you hit well once you hit the suburb level, then you're looking at pockets within the suburb. How, how do you typically um, look at pockets? Yeah. Geographical boundaries. So you you Google Maps and you look at yeah. geographical boundaries. Where are the roads? Where are the creeks? Where are the ponds? Where are the parks? Where are the schools? Um, where are the railway lines and they create geographical boundaries. And you'll find within each geographical boundary, there is a sub-median price in there. Um, that, that you'll get wrong side of the railway line, right side of the railway line, wrong side of the freeway, right side of the freeway. You'll get price variance within a suburb. Your job in order to be able to buy well and know what prices are is to do enough research on historic data and historic sales prices to determine one pocket against another and the median price or the, the price that you can expect to pay there. Then, Joe, when you're on the ground looking at houses in the street, you can go, if this is going for this price in this pocket, that's a good price. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what, and that's, what, what, you, what you're sort of saying there, if I, I just want to play it back, so make sure I understand it. Um, you're sort of saying that let's just say there's a pocket in a suburb that has a bit of a bad rep, let's just say a bad pocket of, of Richmond or something. And there's good pockets of Richmond as well. But let's just say, are you sort of able to go back in time and say, well, this pocket is, is now selling for 100K under that other pocket and, and normally it should be about 50K under. Is that sort of what you're saying? And then sort of saying maybe there's an opportunity here in that where it's 100, 100K under what it, or 50K under what it normally is. Is that what you sort of... Sure. Sales data is available. Excuse yeah. me. Sales data is available um, that has history associated with it. SQM Research provides a lot of that. Um, but SQM Research is all about the listing side data, not the, not the actual mm-hmm. sales side data. CoreLogic, you can buy history if you wanted to. CoreLogic, you can get into um, uh, uh, RP data and, and access history that way. The dilemma you face about sales data is it's it's market specific. So you need to be sensitive around the market conditions it was sold in at the time it was sold and then create some methodology um, mm. around bringing old priced, old priced data to current price values. That's the challenge. No, it's not. Well, I mean, oh, it's, it's sort of make, yeah, but well, it's sort of, if there's enough, if there's enough volume, in, yeah. if there's enough volume in no. the area, one of the biggest challenges is, 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 you know, there's not enough sales. There's, there's five sales in the past to, to be able to draw, be able to draw from that. Um, but then you can drill like, like what I was talking about before housing commission, how many owner occupiers there are from a, from a census data perspective, it gives you a little bit more of a taste of, Okay, this is a bit of a rougher area. Um, it's, well, you kind of but, want to go there. but that data you're referring to, the demographics data, is still macro data. Yes, and it still can only go down to suburb level. Yeah, well, it goes to SA one, which is broken up into pockets of about eight hundred dwellings. Right. So the okay. SA, yeah, sure. yes, so, yeah, so okay. the SA one drills it down yeah. to a little bit more um, yep. than, than than suburb level, um, one but of the still. Ways you can get- not enough sales in most suburbs to be able to really do it. But this is where you you just have to rely on your knowledge of the area, right? Dealing with real estate agents, speaking with property managers, speaking with real estate agents again. Uh, well, I mean, tell me about <laughs> people walk barefoot, avoid the area. What about Byron Bay? <laughs> I think they only walk barefoot there. I don't think they have a shoe shop in sight. Um, Chris Hemsworth doesn't wear feet, does he? He just carries a hammer. Doesn't he? he doesn't wear feet. Sure. He <laughs> doesn't wear shoes. <laughs> he doesn't wear anyway. feet, mate. <laughs> um, okay. So you've taken us on a journey here, Brendan. Yeah, we have covered a lot of ground. And unfortunately, we've covered a lot of ground at a high level. So it might confuse people. And if that's the case, what? I apologize. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think our audience. I mean, we have a large number of audience sitting in here right now. It hasn't really dropped off too much because I think people understand what you're getting. What What are some of the areas where you you think that people aren't getting enough information from a deeper dive? Like, what area do you want to dive in? Like, the 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 floor is yours. Um, where can we dive in more that you feel that there's not enough attention that we can go in a little deeper? So, if anyone doesn't want to discuss, doesn't want to Go down into the, the dirty detail. Feel free to leave now, but we're going to the dirty detail. Oh, Where, so you know, you, you, how much time have we got then? Mate, the time oh. is your time. The fact that 
I'm going to say is, probably about half an hour. Probably half an hour. Half an hour? No, we don't. Yeah. We don't have half well, an hour. We got, we got, we got 15, we 20 minutes. 20 oh, okay, all right. Well, I was gonna, we're going to do Q&A as well, Joe. So, yeah. Oh, well, people minutes. throw you questions. We haven't, oh, yeah. got, we haven't got too many questions. We've been answering them. But give us the dirty details. What do you want to what, – what, give us it. Go on, Brandon. Um, treat us. Treat us, yeah. Put it on the spot. <laughs> I've given you, I've actually given a pile of gold today around what you can do and how to think about it. But again, we've crossed a lot of, a lot of ground. Um, I guess from the perspective of the intent of what we wanted to get out of today, um, it's the ability to be able to, to, to pick a strategy that works for you. And it really does come down to what are my skills? What do I like to do? What don't I like to do? What cash have I got to play with? What's my borrowing capacity? What are my goals? What do I want to achieve? Yeah. And if you've got that sort of stuff in play, then you can start to make decisions that are best going to suit you for the sort of property you take on, whether it's a passive strategy, negatively geared, passive strategy, uh, buy and hold, positively geared, whether it's a, um, uh, an add value strategy, buy ugly, make pretty, sell, whether it's a subdivision you want to throw, something along those lines, that, would, that might serve you best. It depends on the goal that you're looking to achieve. If you want to get out quickly, if you want to get out within five to 10 years of the work that you're currently doing and live a life that's based on property, not a based on an exchange of time for money, then buy and holds aren't going to do it. But if you're Fine young hope. enough and you have time, buy and hold won't do it. If you're young enough and you have time on your side, 20, 30, maybe 40, and you're looking and happy to work until 65, 70, then buy and hold is likely to give you what you want as an, as an indicator of possibility relative to you pumping money into super as well. So it depends on the lifestyle that you want to live on the journey, the speed with which you want to get out of your current circumstances into a property full-time, let's say, or property is a lifestyle choice to live off. Um, you, you, it, it comes right back to your objectives because your strategies, they, there are a multitude of strategies in property that you can take on. There is an abundance of choice in there. <clears throat> Rooming yeah. houses is a classic example. Uh, if you buy a purpose-built house or make a purpose-built house for the purpose of rooming houses and convert it into rooming houses, that's a, that's a way to have both um, cash flow and um, uh, growth in it because you're in an environment where um, growth will occur, uh, an established suburb as an example. Yeah. So there's a multitude of different ways you can play the game. Not only that, I mean, if you're not, if you're going, you know what, Brennan, too hard, too hard, I don't want to play. Then play with somebody else who's out on the ground making it happen. Mm. Lend them your money to do stuff with your money and share the profit. Yeah. Lend them your borrowing capacity. Sign the loan doc. So we're talking Absolutely. about joint ventures and money partner agreements. So this is this is left of center for a whole pile of people and, and a mind blow for some people who just quite aren't there yet. And that's okay, yeah. But the point is there is a multitude of opportunity in property, should you wish to do it, but the responsibility is on you to determine and investigate it. And my encouragement is to do that. What are you um hey, we've got we're going to hit a point where we talk about um, the top 10 suburbs that we pulled together. Oh, were we? Oh, well, no, nah, we'll, we'll scrap that. Don't worry about that. Uh, unless people want it. <laughs> do, people, do people want oh, You want to know where the top 10 suburbs in Australia are going to be right now? Okay. I, I, um, oh, well, I, if you've got time, I mean, let's, let's go. Let's do it. What are the top 10? <laughs> All right. 
Uh, I feel like you brought this out of nowhere. So, he's mentioned it to nobody, and all of a sudden he's pulling the magic. Oh, we got but a couple of yeses here, but... oh, which I deposited this into, so oh, that you can, <laughs> so that you could have a look at it in advance and say, you know what, we'll play this game. So Let's, I'm going to share yeah. the screen for a second. Are you okay, if I, do I didn't that? actually look at it. Please, yeah. I didn't. No, no I get that. <laughs> <laughs> If I'd have known there was one, I would have. I don't know. We got yeah, baby. Anyway. We got yes, please. We got yes yeah. is the law, mate. Okay. You've, you've, basically, you've, basically, hang on. Click the click a, the button. Um, click present. Yeah, no, I'm working on. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. All right. Okay. He's got. He's got. Yeah, he's got to get it up. <laughs> he loves the draw out, out, mate. You getting? You getting? <laughs> yes, that's so funny. All right. Uh, present. You can ask a profound question. Present. Share screen. Uh, share entire screen. screen. Yeah. Share screen. We won't present it just yet. We'll just make uh, sure. Share screen. Stuff. Come on. You can do it. There is. That's the one I want. Share. More yeses. Got that one. Yep. Share. Barrel, ro barrel roll, Didn't please. You see that? Isn't it, it's drum a drum roll. roll. It's not a barrel. What's well, a barrel roll? That's, 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 yeah, that's what Donkey Kong throws down the bloody so, thing. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. it. Oh, yeah. look at him. Look <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. Did you like that? <laughs> what we've for for the purpose of of supporting people, I pulled together a top ten report. Um, ten of the the from property predictions the company, uh, and supported by results. Who is the company I also work with? Um, uh, we've got a top yeah, ten. Yeah, actually. Do you actually have the report? Like, because I, I want to, I want to look at one or two. Like, can we give a teaser for people? Because I want to see what, which, which number do you? But that oh, doesn't do make it the top ten. It makes it the top eight, then, doesn't it? That's oh, true. Yeah. He's not wrong. I'm, so right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Yeah, go on. Okay. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. Oh, which what's your you favorite? Want? No, what's uh, because obviously you've looked at these top ten and you've gone through them. Yeah. What, what is what's, your what's, 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 what's your context? favorite? I've, yeah. top oh, 10. Frankly, I pull this stuff together and I say done and move on to the next thing I have to do. So mm. um, uh, I don't know what the 10 are. I'm going to have to open the report and find out and read them. And I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My point. There's two in New South Wales, two in Victoria, two in Queensland and one in the other states. And there's oh, actually okay. 11 of them, not 10. Um, okay. But if you Fair click on, if you uh, do that bit.ly thing, um, you'll get that download, you'll get that report for free. It'll come to you. Uh, it, it, I, I flag, it's an exchange of um, uh, email address for that. Um, and what you can also get out of that is, I bet, can I move that? Hide that. If I can move that, I can't move that. Um, what you'll also get is one of our investing mentors to come out and say hi if you want. So if you want to talk to a property mentor that you've never, never talked to before, someone who's got a clue about where you might want to go and just have a chat, then by all means, get that bit.ly code, click on the appropriate links, um, and then seek information if you so wish. So, gentlemen, thanks for that. All right. Now let's pick one, yeah? You want to do that? Let's pick one. Pick let's one. All right. That's probably the best warm-up to a to a sales pitch that I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. You, 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 you got me good. You got me good. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, okay, right. Hang on, give me a sec. I got to me in. I'm on the hook. Top 10 reports. And Joe's worked in sales for a long How long have you worked in sales? Worked in sales. Yeah. I've spent a long time in sales and I didn't see this coming and uh, I'm not upset. Okay, good. 
And I'm it not, wasn't so. that it wasn't there to show you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, it does exist. Exactly. It does exist. So for those who are in you now, where do we go? Uh, sub one million. Let's go sub one million. All right. So I'm going to go for one of them in New South Wales. Uh, one of the growth prospects that exists in New South Wales as a suburb right now. Um, he's sharing. Uh, I think he's and... sharing. No, no, so he's talking at the report. Oh, we're going to talk to him. Yeah. Um, is uh, Salamander Bay. Oh, Salamander Bay. Interesting. Delicious. Okay. That's an issue. Yeah. yeah. So there's statistical well, data behind well, actually, that. Yeah, I was going to say, can we talk to the methodology to get to Salamander Bay? Like what? How do we get so to again, property predictions has a database. It's been gathering data for decades. Um, uh, well, actually, more than a decade. Um, and there is a set of algorithms in the background that take a whole pile of factors into consideration: listing, sales, median price, um, uh, days on market, uh, uh, vendor discounting, um, rent, uh, etc. And we're able to forecast movements on all of these trends based on historic and current data and relationships between data points. Um, and it's broadly accurate. Um, so we can stand proud and we produce these reports for people to investigate. Uh, but it is just a trigger for a direction. Your job is still to do the work on the ground. Don't just simply go down there and buy something at random in that suburb because Brendan said you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's counterproductive. But from the perspective of you, Joe, relative to what you're attempting to achieve, see if you and I played together through, let's say, property predictions is the one. If you and I played, I could go, mate, what do you want to know? Where do you want to go? And we could then start to talk on stuff and I could give you some insights that the, the database could produce. But as a part of results, uh, members get access to uh, uh, a number of reports that um, uh, property predictions produces for free. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested Love in it. talking yes. about I want to um actually just before you go to that, Jeff, I wanted to ask answer ask this question because it was a really good one. Um because I want to hit some of these questions and then I want to learn a little bit more. Um if you're sure stuck enough. on an island with a whole yep. you're stuck on an island, but you can only bring you are stuck with three data sources, let's say five, because I feel like five is is a good one to understand your investment decisions. So that's all you've got. You've got a computer that has all the data in the world, but you can only look at five data sources. Which ones would you choose? What are your go-to data island. sources? Now, let, we're not talking macro here. We're talking more yeah. micro. We've, we've already yeah, sure. decided where we're going. We, have a, we know what state we're in. We, we understand the infrastructure spends, but from a, mac, from a kind of mid mid crow and micro i guess that's probably the yeah. way to say that's it the word, i get it yep what are we doing what are you thinking you're on five data sources and i go great and my question still goes back to well why am i buying it what do i want to do with it what's the strategy i want to adopt with it is it short-term win i want cash or is it a long-term hold let's go for long-term hold yeah yep all right because that's the predominant conversation we've been having based on a long-term hold Based on a long-term hold, if you're looking for five data sources, one of them would have to be infrastructure spend based on uh, state government planning. So you would want the state government planning document. Okay. One. Done. You would want 
I don't think you want anything from the ABS data stats. I, I think I think all that stuff you can find out on the ground when you're there. Um, okay. And you could understand that and you'd interview real estate agents around that because that, I'm, yeah. I'm limited in the data I'm allowed to have. Can't have it all, mate. You would want, you would want sales. Yeah, you want sales volumes over time. So a data source over a period of time, sales volumes. You would want the capacity to access sales history, sales price history, because I've got to know at a pocket level what the prices might be. So really you'd want to know and be able to get into that data. So we're talking medians here? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking actual sales. But this right. uh, one, two, three alphabet sold for. One, two, five alphabet sold for. You know, data. You, without that, you're shooting blind in a suburb and you can't afford that. Yeah, so yeah. on the so absence of portal, yeah. Your infrastructure, so we got sales volume. history of individual, individual properties, yeah. Sales volumes, um, the infrastructure spent you want. <clears throat> you need access to what's on the market, so you've got to have listings. Well, you find out what to ask. What, you're going to door knock every house and say, are you up for sale today? Are you up for sale today? Are you up for sale today? So you got to, if you don't want to do that, you've got to have listings. So what's on the market right now? Um, so that's four. So you've got listings on the market right now, sales volumes. Um, oh, the last one's going to have to be median prices so that you know the suburb drilling down from the macro document. So you've got the document, median prices, uh, sales volumes, sales history, and current, pro and current properties on the market. That would be enough for you to go, I've got a group. And the rest you do on the ground in conversation with real estate agents. It's a solid performer. I mean, and, and all of this, everyone has access to as, access. Yeah, it's all free data. Real, real estate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Real estate.com gives you all of that. SQM gives you all of that. Well, um, not the state uh, government stuff. But the state, state, plan, government, state government planning, they give it to you anyway. They offer it free. Just Google it. But, they want to. Yeah. They love to. They love everyone to have it. <laughs> I think everyone to know where they're spending all this amazing money. The challenge. The challenge with people is uh, that um, that that there's there's so much out there, so much to think about and look at. Is that we, we actually just can't focus on on those five things. Oh, that's that's the key. That's the key challenge. Like I, I saw somebody in the group today. They posted. They were looking at. They wanted to know what people's thoughts on Toowoomba was, and then. Two hours later, I was saying, what are people's thoughts on Armadale in, in uh, New South Wales, not WA? Because, yeah, we know, we know Joe's thoughts on Armadale and WA. But um, it's, it's a, I think it's an up-and-coming area, a few Commodores here and there. Um, no, but um, – and, and I just – to my point there, it's just how do you sort of – how do you actually kind of develop any sort of thesis if, if you're sort of jumping from one suburb to the next in very different areas, I would say, Toowoomba versus Armadale, maybe not – in that circumstance, maybe they're more similar than what I think. But let's just say you're jumping, they're probably doing it based on price points. Well, it sounds like they haven't done the macro first, right? They, have, they yeah. haven't identified what that top-level research is that, that Brendan's talking about. Or, or is it something else, Brendan? What do you, what do you see that... Well, again, it, 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 you, don't, you don't look for a property because you can go and find it. You look for a property because it serves a purpose. You look for a property because mm -hmm. you've got a budget to meet. You look for a property because you've got a price point to match. Um, mm -hmm. Heat map. 
Um, if you want to search for suburbs, they're going to work for you, given that you know your cash and borrowing capacity, given you know your buy price. Um, you relate that to median price. I want to buy under median. Therefore, if I can afford something at 500, I'm looking at median suburbs over the order of 520 to 600. And then I'll just negotiate my way into a great property at 500 within the suburbs that are more expensive. That way it gives me an edge. You know what? If I'm going to go for, let's call it a 550 suburb. Great. Where am I going to find a 550 suburb? There are two sources to find that information. One, call logic mapping the market. Get on that website, um, click on your city, uh, and you'll get a, a heat map of um, uh, suburbs available to you and what their prices are approximately. And you click on any of those suburbs and the data for the median price, latest known data, will come up. The other one is YipMag, your investment property magazine. Get onto their uh, mailing list. You'll get the uh, YipMag magazine once every month, once every two months. Get into the statistics at the back, look up the suburbs and scroll your finger down the page of all the median suburbs at 550 in the area of state you're interested in. Yeah, sure. and that way you've zoomed into, of all of the suburbs in my city that I live or I want to look in, I now have a, a 10 or 15 of the right median price for me. Cool. Then you drill down into, well, what's happening in each of those suburbs? I know. What if I get the listings data, sales volume data, median price data, I monitor that for three months? That's going to give me an insight into what's happening in there. Get into ABS, do some statistical analysis. What are the demographics here? Have we got 85-year-olds living in the streets with walking frames everywhere and broken knees? Or do we have kids on hips and young screaming children and rugrats hanging around cafes? What is it that we're interested in? Who are we trying to cater our purchase to? What, we, what does a rental want? Uh, I, we need to get you back on, Brendan. This is not... <laughs> This is not enough. This is not, I, I don't have enough Brendan in my life, but I don't have enough uh, hours in the evening. Um, this is some of the comments that we're getting here. Um, you've blown all the hidden gems I've looked for for so long. Thank you very much. Um, you are the, this is your target audience. Um, but it's it's 100% true. You can absolutely go out there and, um, and make this make this happen for yourselves as a, as a property investor. It doesn't it doesn't take too much, but it's a framework. But I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Brent, one of the questions I have is: you must see this all the time where people get motivated and excited, and then they go for it, and then it wears off. Like you probably why you've created the business that is results mentoring. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's not just it's not just boom. Let's let's you know, flash in the pan, let's make it happen. It's more of a long-term approach. Tell us about results manager. Tell them about how this works. I have loved what you have covered us off um, so far. It is logical. It makes sense. Find problems, give solutions, start at the top, work your way through. How do we learn more about results? How do we learn more about you and the um, way that you're thinking? If you want to reach us, just you can email me direct, Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, at uh, ResultsMentoring.com. Um, you know that 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 would get That's me dangerous. directly. Yeah, the, yeah, you yeah. you played a dangerous game there, but okay. I'm not I'm not going to give you my mobile. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> as an email address, sure, I can manage that. So Brendan <laughs> yeah. B R E N D A N at ResultsMentoring.com would do it. Um, 
Alternatively, add, if you can't remember my name, admin at resultsmentoring.com would also do it. Um, was there people saying that they couldn't use that um, bit.ly thing that I put up before? Yeah, I, I, I put the link in and I think it was something to do with the connection. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how to work through that. I think you have to, to click a few. It's about the, yeah. But if All you right. scan the QR um, code, there was that. If you, if you want that report, code. yeah, scan, yeah. Yeah, you need to scan the QR code. Um, do you That's want to put it up again or not? Or, or... Yeah, I like to click a link. I like to click a link. Yeah, go on, load it up. And I'll, uh, you load, load it up, up, I'll scan it and I'll load it up. All right, right. I want to see the yeah, because I, I, I was, oh. I was Salamander Bay. I don't know, just I, I don't like the that didn't look that great for that suburb. If I'm if I'm very if I'm very current, my QR code <laughs> off the screen it didn't work. Okay, apparently yeah, somebody. Right. Well, does we'll the code the work? QR code works, yeah. treat. We're getting mixed okay. reviews here. Yeah, we got the we? bloody All link. Right. I'll put it up again. The, and yeah, give me a second. Where are we? I think always oh, these way is a website. Well, I mean, this this has been a bit of a. I wanted to get you on because you've seen you've seen the way um, the world has worked in the property space for the last twenty years, but this is this is more than I expected. Um, a lot more than I expected in terms of value because in seeing what the world ha what goes on with the world, it has opened up your eyes to what are the fundamentals of property investing, and they don't really change. You know, it it works supply. And demand, uh, no, it worked for me. Um, I'm going to paste that link for people so that they can. Oh, sure. Yeah. That yeah. Right yeah. Sorry, someone right. talked so, about ideas. Results. Um, results is all about. I mean, <laughs> did you notice tonight's conversation? It wasn't me telling you about me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's. Uh, I'm irrelevant to the conversation. I know some stuff, and I'm happy to support people and and. Uh, basically, my job is to shine the torchlight on the potholes in front of people so they don't stumble in them. But mm. it's not about me. I'm a, I'm a tool, yeah? Um, it, although that probably sounded bad. Um, but, well, but I'm you're a tool. all right. <laughs> all probably have a beer if you, if you have a beer or whatever, your kombucha, whatever. Well, I'll be listening to all the companies, you're right. No, but, but the, the idea is... What mentor, what the results mentoring program is all about is, is supporting you on the journey that you're on. The whole part of the journey is it starts out with tell me what you want, what you really, really want. What have you got to play with to get there? What are the skills you're going to play with? Um, and, and what do you like to do? Now let's pick a strategy that's going to best work for you. And then we spend an entire year working with you on the ground as you're doing the research. We analyze deals with you. We, we support you in what you find. We say, this one has the potential to work because the number's saying it does, but I'm scared, I'm scared. All right, now let's look at the risk associated. Um, these are the things that are in the place that might scare you from pulling it. They're actually only short-term smaller risks. Consider this, consider this, do your investigation on that. And if they come up negative for you, then there's no reason not to pursue. You know, it is, it is all about the methodology and the approach, but it's all centred on the person who's, whose role it is. Um, <laughs> the, people come up to me sometimes. I've, I've never really been good at saying what I do. Um, what do you do? I'm like, fair income. This, 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 the, the magnitude of tasks and things that I undertake is phenomenal. I can't get it into one sense. And sometimes cheekily I turn around and say, I make millionaires. And, and they go, oh, that's nice, but that freaks people out. And they go, yeah, and I'm an accountant. I said, that's great, wonderful. And then we just part ways. 
But the, the, the point of interest there, what I do is support people to create the wealth they want for themselves. Mm. Um, and I, I am practised in the art of smacking people about the head uh, such that they want more, which is great. Um, it basically, it's, it's holding up the, this is blocking you, this is stopping you, or this is what we need to do now, and just stepping people through a process, a system. We've been doing it for 20 years. We know what we're doing. It's proven. Many people achieve magnificent results. Um, we had a, a, a lady. She uh, gorgeous. Name's Catherine. Uh, single mum, two kids, part-time job. That's when she started. Um, she started with us around five years ago. Last year, in one property project that she completed, she made a million dollars in profit. Wow. Profit. There you go. That's much more than she was ever going to make as a part-time job as a single mom. You know, it's, it's just extraordinary what people can do through it's a achievable. process of evolution. For those people that uh, didn't get the link, there's the link that that it takes you to for um, when oh, you scan the QR code, code and Love then it goes through and fuses off, and then you'll be able to use that. So, so go to that, um, Brendan. You. Thank you very much for tonight. Thank you. We'll definitely have to get you on and we will dive into some of the more micro things that you've you've got to share, but there's a wealth of knowledge that has been shared. I I do not go back and watch these many of these episodes. There are a select few that I go back to and re-listen to, and this is definitely- You watch your own, Joe? Is that what the ones you watch or you watch ours to sort of see how your hair looks? At- my hair looks exactly the same at all stage, point in time, no matter what. <laughs> Windy, wet weather, it looks exactly like this. Yes, uh, so yes, you can play it back. Jump on our YouTube. That's the best way, and you'll get a whole bunch. I'll you get doing. 150 plus sessions, I think. Oh, maybe not that many. This one, pop this one in your rotation. Um, if anyone wants to reach out, reach out to Brendan at Results Mentoring. Check out the website, Results Mentoring. You will find the information. Thank you very much, Brendan. Is there anything you want to leave uh, leave the people with? Um, <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, all of this. But, 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 You've but, done I enough, guess mate. the 25 on, words of all this is, is think about what it is you want and, and, and what you want out of your property investing. That's the starting position for all of this. Think about what you want from your property investing activity because on the basis of that's what you want, then it's a matter of you you have some direction on what you need to learn to get there. And if you don't know enough, then find the information. Seek the support. There is a wealth of knowledge out there that you can lean on. You've just got to lean on it. Mm. That's it. Love it. I, I would, yeah. I, I, I would even sort of take a step back and say, what do you want out of your life? And then sort of go and build your – anyway, that's, that's me being, getting a bit – wax lyrical philosophical because yeah for me it's about no, well it's the same uh, statement yeah what do yeah, you want exactly. from your investing is all about the only reason you invest is for a lifestyle mm, yeah you don't do it for sport i'm not a I, I don't i don't own property just for the purpose of providing rental accommodation um i own property for the purpose of of um being able to create the funds i want for the lifestyle i want to live mm. Love it. i just happen yeah. to be able to provide rental accommodation at the same time yeah, there you go. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on, and thanks for answering the call. The uh, the the Batman Batman symbol is uh, is out oh, again. It's been an absolute joy. I thank you so much for uh, inviting me in. Um, you guys are great to work with. I love the banter; it's heaps of fun. And and you've been generous enough to allow me to flap my gums. I really appreciate it.
All right. You're I love it. Flap your gums more often, Brennan. Let's go do it, guys. Let's go buy a property. Set yourself up for a wonderful strategy and uh, make it happen for yourselves. Catch us later. See you soon. Stay well. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.